Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Welcome back. Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. Please, please go give that page a like. That would be nice. So I wanted to just kind of hit on some of the things that are going on. And one of the big things going on is that Attorney General Bill Barr is resigning. And we're coming at towards the end of the administration. So a resignation right at the end there. President Trump tweeted that Attorney General Barr will resign from his post before Christmas, moments after the Electoral College has affirmed President-elect Joe Biden's election victory. Axios reporting this. Um, and they talk about behind the scenes what goes on with Donald Trump and Bill Barr. This also led to the Electoral College vote and then eventually cleared the way for Joe Biden to come and give a victory speech, which happened around 6 o'clock-ish, somewhere in there. I watched it, and I thought to myself, wow, uh, how many times is he going to cough during this? No joke, in the 15 minutes, if anyone watched that speech back and could count how many times in that 15 minutes, I would appreciate it if you called in with a number. I'm going to guess the number is about 40 times, 40 to 50. That's what it felt like. It was a lot. Uh, 314-436-7900. So I want to talk a little bit about what Joe Biden brought up on his speech. Um, I, I just pulled a couple of moments from it. I'm not going to play the whole thing. And if you want to uh, call in on this, does this pretty much put a cap on things? I mean, do you feel like at this point, this this will be the the closer? Uh, are you still holding out hope? I told you a while back my hope was lost. Even though I voted for Donald Trump, I wanted to see him become president again. Uh, it's going to a second term. So many great things have been happening the last couple of months. Like, look at this. More countries jumping in on peace in the Middle East. We have the vaccine coming out thanks to his efforts in Operation Warp Speed. And we've already had people here in the United States start to receive it in the distribution beginning. Some really pretty remarkable things that you just never thought you would see this quickly. And even as critics, it's so funny because you go back to what his critics were saying. If you go and look at back in March and April and they were saying, hey, I think we're going to get this out before the end of the year. And all of the different liberal media came out and said, what a liar. <laughs> and here we are. End of year is being distributed. It's pretty remarkable that all of this was able to come in place. And that was kind of the goal all along for all of this to happen. And I, we see all of these things playing out. And 
some of the success stories, and you heard from the patient rights advocate that we had on just in the last hour, that starting next year when it comes to pricing, there's going to be more transparency in the medical pricing world, which is an awesome thing and needs to be done, and they're going to continue to further that even more. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, I have no idea what's going to happen when things are turned over and Joe Biden gets into the office. What's his agenda going to be, really? Is, is it going to be that of extreme radical leftism? Is it going to be, hey, we're going to pack the courts? Is it going to be one of which is we're going to try to overturn uh, everything that's been done on foreign policy and just go back to allowing China to do whatever they want? Is that what we're going to see? Joe Biden today didn't really give any indication or answer to that. I think mostly he wanted to try to scold Republicans um, as if he's in any re- position to do that. But let's uh, listen to some of it. If anyone didn't know before, they know now. What beats deep in the hearts of the American people is this democracy. The right to be heard, to have your vote counted, to choose leaders of this nation, to govern ourselves. In America, politicians don't take power. People grant power to them. The flame of democracy was lit in this nation a long time ago. And we now know nothing, not even a pandemic or an abuse of power, can extinguish that flame. And as The people kept it aflame. So, too, did courageous state and local officials and election workers. American democracy works because America makes it work at a local level. One of the extraordinary things we saw this year was that everyday Americans, our friends and our neighbors, often volunteers, Democrats, Republicans, independents, demonstrating absolute courage, they showed a deep and unwavering faith in and a commitment to the law. They did their duty in the face of a pandemic. And then they could not and would not give credence to what they knew was not true. Yeah, I don't know. There's still a lot of dispute. People just do not feel good. It's not sitting right with them on how everything that they've been able to see and hear so far is on the up and up. And that's, I think, part of the biggest problem we're seeing when it comes to left and right anymore. I think there are people on the left that believe that there is zero, zero chance and there has been zero um, instances where there had been fraudulent votes counted and they think, oh, it's just conspiracy theory talk. I think there are people on the right that maybe go overboard, too, and they say, you know, all of it was, uh, you know, could be thrown out because of the way the system is rigged and the voting machines and things like that. And they can look in and they can do this. I think I just read online that because of part of this giant um, uh, hack that happened earlier, the Solar Winds company, part of the software used by this Dominion systems, by the way, uh, the, the systems that are used for the voting machines were raided by the feds today. And this could be part of what we're seeing when it comes to foreign entities hacking into a lot of these government agencies. What could they discover there? Uh, one more clip from Joe Biden. Four years ago, when I was a sitting vice president of the United States, It was my responsibility to announce the tally of the Electoral College votes in the joint session of Congress that voted to elect Donald Trump. I did my job. And I'm pleased, but not surprised, by the number of my former Republican colleagues in the Senate who have acknowledged already the results of the Electoral College. I thank them. And I'm convinced we can work together for the good of the nation on many subjects. That's the duty owed to the people to our Constitution, to our history. 
You know, in this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed. We, the people, voted. Faith in our institutions held. The integrity of our elections remains intact. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. As I said in this campaign, I will be president for all Americans. I'll work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as I will for those who did. There's urgent work in front of us. All right, 314-436-7900. I do want to take some of your calls, so don't go anywhere. We're going to do them right after the break. This is Overnight America KMOX. Get home fast and informed. Total Information PM starts weekdays at 4 on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX and KMOX.com. And Overnight America is with you up until midnight live. And then afterwards, the replay hours go. You can always get me on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. Played a couple of comments from Joe Biden earlier. He had about a 15-ish minute speech talking about the process where the electoral votes became official in his favor enough to become the next president. And that happening earlier today. Let's take some of your calls on that. And Ron is first on the line. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah, hi there, Ryan. That was such a heartwarming speech. Uh, used all the buzzwords and uh, like <laughs> democracy and um, healing and dark days. I could see the speechwriters working on that for hours. And I all the cliches, to, I, yeah. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to equate the buzzwords ratio to the coughing, and the buzzwords I think outranked the coughing. The coughing I ranked twenty. I counted. Mm. In the entire speech, you went back and listened yeah. to it. No, no, no. I, I, after the third cough, I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a count of this. Yeah. And see how many. At least he didn't use the cliche light at the end of the tunnel, because <laughs> people people are forgetting the other part of that. The other part is a train could be coming from the other direction. Ah. You know what I thought in his mind was in the background, they would superimpose some patriotic music, you know, like at the end of, you remember that movie Independence Day where they fought off the aliens and, you know, the one president character standing there and it's very cinematic and they have the orchestra playing and he's given because this is our Independence Day. I thought maybe in his mind, he thought something like that would be playing in the background. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be interesting to go over and count how many buzzwords equal what the ratio was buzzwords to the coughing. I kind of I count about twenty. Yeah. All right, Ron. Thank you very much for the right. call. That's that's actually pretty funny. It's the the equivalent would be in the sporting world when they talk to an athlete after the game and they all give the same scripted answer. So a reporter comes up and asks them a question. It doesn't matter what the question is. The athlete would say something like. Well, we're just taking things one game at a time, and we're going to be able to take this win tonight. We're all going to be able to enjoy it tonight, and tomorrow we go right back to work because we're going to have to look at next week. You know, they always say the same thing. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) I know, I know, this was his moment. It just, you're right. It was a lot of cliche statements. Let's go to Darnell, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes, what I wanted to mention about is to criticize uh, Joe Biden. And what I'm saying is, my body may stack your court up, okay? Wait, what did you say? I criticized Joe Biden, and then what did you say after that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. You you mentioned the fact that Biden may try to stack your court. You didn't say nothing about Trump. Trump put three on, that's only nine on the court. 
So he put one-third of the people on there. You didn't criticize that. You didn't say nothing at all. One thing about you Trump supporters, you all Well, that's the right. thing. Wait, no, that doesn't count. Why is him putting in, uh, a Supreme Court member onto the Supreme Court when there's an opening the same as stacking the court? How do you look at those two as the same? Well, what I'm saying, you talk about Biden go stack the court. Biden's yeah. not in office. Now, you didn't say nothing about Tr- Trump. He put three people on court. That's one-third. Let me tell you what. Well, Trump put- let me, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, I just want to make sure real quick. How do you define stacking the court? You you want to say it. You said Biden's going to try to stack the court. Right. But you no, how do you that. define that? I'm asking. How do you, how do you define stacking well, the court? I want to make sure we're that, talking about the same thing. Is that you didn't criticize Trump putting three people on the court. No, no, no. I, I, I know, but... What I'm saying is I want to make sure we're defining stacking the court as the same thing. So how do you define it? You brought up the saying, you brought a statement that Biden's going to try to stack the court. You said that. Yeah, I know, you but know I'm asking you I'm now, asking I, you I, how I, you define stacking the court. That's like a that's a, a term for a very specific thing. I think we're thinking two different things here. No, what I'm saying is give a man a chance. He's not in office. It's the fact that there's no vacancy right now where he's going to stack the court. Let me tell you one thing. Trump pointed 145 federal judges and not one Negro, not one Negro. You didn't say nothing about that. Check the record. And you'll see. OK, but you- I, I want to go back to stacking the courts. So stack. Let me, let me tell you the definition of stacking the courts and, and tell me if this is what we're talking about. The same thing. When the idea of, uh, of stacking the courts came up, the idea is instead of having nine Supreme Court justices, let's ha- why can't we have 15? Why can't we have 20? So as opposed to waiting until there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court, how about we just continue to add Supreme Court justices until the number is what you would want it to be? That's what stacking the court refers to. Well, that, that's never only happened a couple of times in my history. We changed from nine. That's the only thing. But the fact is that it's never going to come about. Simply it's nine sufficient. And but what I'm getting at, you did not say anything about Trump's putting three people on the court. He got one third. It's just yeah, on the but court. That, but that's the thing. That's not stacking the court. But we're, no, but the very idea of this was brought up by Democratic leaders. And they said, if you put Amy Coney Barrett and gets another Supreme Court justice onto the bench, our recourse will be to maybe put extra Supreme Court justices onto the court. When they asked Joe Biden, hey, if you win the presidency, are you going to do that? He said, I won't answer. Now, that play is still out there. He hasn't denied that they would do that. They're still hanging that over as if they could and may do it. That's a very dangerous thing, I think, at least. That'll never be done. Nine is sufficient. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good day. Thank you. I agree. I agree. Nine is efficient and the number should stay at nine. But this is dangerous because you start to look at alternative ways to shift the courts back. Of all the people that I thought I would be quoting on this, I never thought it would be Mitt Romney. Let me do this real quick. Uh, 314-436-7900. Mitt Romney, when talking about if he was going to vote in the latest round of Supreme Court justices, Amy Coney Barrett being the one, they asked him, are you going to vote to take up this nomination? And this is what he said. The idea that the Supreme Court has to be liberal is not written in the stars. It's not that it has to be given. We don't think that a liberal court is something that um, reflects the society we live in. So to think that everything has to be liberal when it comes to the courts is a fallacy. 
kind of like Darnell calling in. So you put three Supreme Court justices in because there were three openings on the Supreme Court. You can debate if that last one was rushed in there and it should have been done. You can debate that. That's fine. But when there's an opening and filling an opening, that's not stacking the court. It's it's a separate thing. The whole idea of maybe after the fact going in and saying, well, if there's a tilt there in order to get the tilt to the way we want it, what we could do is just continue to add Supreme Court justices on without there being an opening. This is why the Senate uh, runoff race in Georgia is so important. If the Republicans take the lead in the Senate, this will be good because then it would prevent that happening, at least for the first couple of years of the Biden administration. And inevitably, I think we all believe the Harris administration when she most likely takes over. I I think that's a high probability of that happening. But let's look at even some of the Democratic senators who have come forward and said, we don't want to stack the court. I'll never vote to stack the court. Even some of the Democrats have come forward and said that. But if go back into some of the interviews that Joe Biden gave, he was very noncommittal. He wouldn't say he wouldn't stack it. And this whole idea of stacking it is just a way for them to what uh, do a, a power grab without going through the traditional ways, I guess. So if you want to call in, you can 314-436-7900. If you were one of the people that watched the Joe Biden speech from earlier and you actually count <laughs> how many coughs there were, I really... Would, I would like to know the number, but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to go through and try to get all of those counted. I, th- I think I've done enough there uh, just by watching it one time. So going back to the Axios report, Attorney General Bill Barr will resign from his post. There's a lot of other things going on in the background, and there was speculation that Barr could be tossed aside or fired to begin with based on the displeasure of knowing that all of this Hunter Biden stuff was known for as long as it was and it wasn't taken seriously or let alone brought up to be an issue when it should have been an issue. We're starting to find more issues when it comes to Hunter Biden. Uh, We're starting to realize how much unreported income he has from foreign entities. States need to look at the uh, amended tax returns and maybe part of this investigation, the family members that are being looked into as well. So why so quiet on this? Really, this is a story leading up to it. They all made it sound like the Hunter Biden story and the laptops were just this giant conspiracy theory. It got so bad that Twitter um, even punished the uh, people that broke the story, the New York Post, the ones that brought it forward. They punished them by locking their accounts and they were starting to hide the stories because they thought, oh, no, this we're not going to report on conspiracy theory. Well, how about this? It all turns out to be valid. It's just a giant mass conspiracy when it comes to this Hunter Biden stuff. And it goes to show the credibility of those agencies in the media are zero right now. Why would anyone listen to one of them and take them as the uh, uh, as a credible voice right now? I, I wouldn't until they start to amend some of the, their own problems. We talk about Hunter Biden having to amend his taxes for all of this foreign money that was coming in that they're able to prove. How about we have these news agencies amend all of their problems, all of their mistakes and sins as an agency? How about we have them come forward if they want to try to get some face back in all of this? And same thing with media's being silent against Andrew Cuomo. We have the governor of New York in major sexual harassment claims against him going on right now. And virtually none of the networks are talking about it. They're not putting him and holding him accountable for these sexual harassment claims. Let's go to Larry, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. How are you, Ryan? Doing good. Good. 
So let's start off with this. Number one, your last caller didn't have a clue what stacking the court meant. Explanation. When someone retires or dies, the president has the authority to nominate someone to fill a vacancy. Stacking the court. Roosevelt tried to stack the court in the 40s. He wanted 15 and up. They didn't They didn't play ball with him. No one's ever played ball. But this administration, I wouldn't put anything past him. So how compromised do you think that Hunter and Joe Biden are? His wife said, we always do everything as a family at one of their little functions. I think they're very compromised. I think this Sawwell and the Bidens, the whole all of them ought to be looked into. And lastly, in the great state of Michigan, they did a thing on uh, Newsmax today. The uh, Dominion computer system had an error rate of 68%. I know. The law, the law allows for 0. .0008, which would be what, eight, ten thousandths or whatever under the <laughs> yeah. law. You, wow. So we keep hearing these, like Joe Biden said, we keep hearing these things about no, you know, we, we've had 80, 80 presentations in front of judges. There's no fraud. There's no this. There's, what's going on in this country with these judges? And you know what, for your other, it doesn't matter if he nominated a white judge, a black judge, a Martian, it doesn't matter as long as they have the credentials to be a judge. But I'm starting to think we got a bunch of liberal judges that we're not going to get anywhere with any of this stuff. Yeah, all the years on these federal benches and things. I think of the legacy of Donald Trump, the trying to at least balance out the court's is an important one. This may be at least a top five when we look back at his legacy of his first four years. So, Larry, thank you very much for your call. Good to hear from you today. You good. Thank uh, you, sir. 314-436-7900. You can call or text in. I always like to see these things. And let's do that. We'll be right back. It's Overnight America KMOX. <laughs> So let's take a look at the very latest of what's going on when it comes to perhaps stimulus checks. And another one, stimulus package, says second stimulus check updates Democrats squeezed on state and local aid as COVID-19 relief talks continue. They're making it pretty clear that what they want to do is try to get all of this in before the end of the year. And they don't want to leave and take a break until this is agreed upon. So this is what the Chicago Tribune did a pretty good write up on this, mostly saying it says Washington negotiators already. I hate the term of that. Do you really want a Washington negotiator? (laughs) No, not so much. And that kind of takes away from the nature of this being bipartisan with the group getting together, giving their talks today to say, oh, we, we offered a plan under a trillion or whatever it is. It's bipartisan and we can all agree on this and da, 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 da. Well, here it is. Whenever you say Washington negotiators, I immediately think corruption. So uh, long delayed agreement of COVID-19 relief. Rank and file Democrats appeared increasingly resigned to having to drop for a scaled back version of the fiscal relief for states and local governments whose budgets have been thrown out of balance by the pandemic, some of which are 
created by their own design and some of the problems that they had. So I'm going to play this for you, a couple of clips from it. Mitt Romney from the beginning. I learned something new when it comes to this effort of the coronavirus bill. Let me point out they were inside of a hall. Things were a little bit echoey. So you're going to have to kind of put up with it. But I think you'll get the gist of what's going on here. This bill over here is less of an emergency, but also very important. And I'm just going to describe this. This last bill relates to two things. State and local aid and liability. And there's some pretty significant differences there. And I'll just note this. On the Republican side, when I talk to my Republican colleagues, I think the majority in the Senate among Republicans feel we should not provide any state and local monies. Why is that? Well, because the numbers are all over the map as to how bad things are in state, states and localities. Some states have ready-made funds and are telling us they don't need more money. Others are saying they need much more than we could possibly imagine sending to them. So a lot of difference in data and difference in terms of how well they've managed themselves in the past. And there's a strong feeling that we don't want to just be paying for pensions that states might have needs to have filled. And so on the one side, there was a sense that, hey, we don't need additional money for states and localities. That was the Republican. It is a Republican point of view. At the same time, Republicans are saying, we're willing to give on that if you'll give on providing liability protection so that doctors and hospitals, schools, universities, small businesses, big businesses don't get sued because people got COVID. And so that's the trade-off. Providing funding for states and localities of $160 billion, and that's in this bill, and liability protections. So all of the different senators and members of Congress that were up there they kind of came up and talked about their portion of the bill. I guess Mitt Romney was really looking at the effort, the side of trying to make sure the liability so people don't constantly uh, get sued for something that could be out of their control and very difficult for them to prove that they were even the origin of where they may have caught COVID. And to consider that a sickness like this that is just very difficult to control, there's got to be able to understand that the liability side of things, it's just unless you can intentionally prove that they were trying to pass it to you, which is almost never the case. I mean, how often can that actually be proved outside of some stupid teen that goes to a grocery store and starts licking ice cream or whatever? That's like the only time if you catch it from something like that. Yeah, I can say you can point to that and say you're you're the person that gave it to me and then it's intentional. But outside of that, there's really no way. So you, there has to be some protections in this too. Otherwise, how would you even be able to go back to anything that resembles regular life why would why would any government open themselves up to the liability if they can get sued at any given moment for opening anything up or allowing it to open up or any business or anything really so there has to be some protections there as long as the precautions are being made and then this is the one where and i don't know which congressman this was i don't think this was a senator i think this was a congressman and i didn't catch the name but let me just point out real quick I listened to this and I thought, stop patting your, yourself on the back. Guys, give it up. Like, they go up there and they're like, oh, we're going to take our bipartisan victory lap. We're going to say bipartisan about 500 times. And we're just going to go up there and we're just going to take the praise as if someone's going to step in and they're just going to pick them up over their shoulders like at the end of that movie, Rudy. And they're all just going to say bipartisan, bipartisan. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's going to carry them off the field and they'll be heroes forever for being able to talk to someone about a coronavirus and here's where you start to see the patting on the back really gets out of hand. To show the effort continues, this afternoon, our 50 members of the Problem Solvers Caucus, 25 Democrats and 25 Republicans, asked us to keep going tonight. 
to try to find a singular way forward. We voted to say, let's find a way to merge these together into a 908 package with the language we developed and worked on here, with some tweaks on liability and worker protection to get there, but to make sure that we get that state and local and tribal assistance. So everyone here worked 24 seven to make this happen. And the last thing I'll say about them, and we're just welcoming to the Senate today, and I think our visa expires in about 15 minutes. Um, so I'll just get this in. These are not often the folks that you see on television or on social media slugging it out, right? Screaming and yelling and tweeting nasty things. That's not this group. What's so impressive about the senators and, and, and Joe and Susan who've done such an incredible job leading is they're the ones who know how hard this year has been for our country and our neighbors, how much anger, resentment, and fear still grips our nation. And these are the leaders who recognize the country should always come ahead of party. Oh, go ahead. Pat yourself on the back and give yourself a round of applause. Yay, round of applause. And I can see them clapping in a circular motion while they do it, too. You know, at least when Mitt Romney went up there, he said, all right, here's here's something that was difficult. Here's one of the things that were keeping negotiations up. I think we found a solution for it. And this is what our solution is. And that's why we're presenting it this way. And I never really understood at least some of it. Hey, part of the problem that the Democrats had was the liability aspect. And part of the Republicans was, hey, we need to have some protections here so we can get things back to normal. I didn't realize that was something the two sides were having a big issue on still. I thought that was something they decided on in the first stimulus package. So there it is. Uh, they use that as a way to try to find a way to compromise. And he said he laid it out. Then we just want to say, OK, hey, we'll get a laugh from the crowd and pat ourselves on the back and everything's a OK from here on out. So part of this is just the individual portion. You saw Josh Hawley was not part of this press conference. Dick Durbin was there, but Bernie Sanders and Josh Hawley saying they want to add on to this and make sure the individual check portions in there, 1200 for an adult, 500 for a dependent. It's very similar to what you saw at the start of the year. I feel pretty confident something like that will happen. I don't know if it'll be scaled back, but it looks like something like that very well could happen. There seemed to be, uh, I don't know if there's uh, enough support, but a lot of support to at least turn the tide on that too. But that's where it sits right now. As the negotiations continue, as they try to figure this sort of thing out, uh, the $300 a week unemployment benefit, they may be able to put some of that back into the tank and help people that have lost jobs. I really think there should be a cap on that. I I, um, I see the 600 that they had a week before, and we just blew through that so quickly. And it was kind of unfortunate because if you were laid off maybe a month into the coronavirus, you might not have actually gotten anything or any benefit from there. Or a couple of months, I should say. You may halfway through the summer found your job eliminated because they tried to keep things afloat and couldn't. And then you're one of the last people on the way out. And next thing you know, you say, OK, at least there's a little bit of a backup when it comes to the $600 a week. It'll give me a little bit to find another job. And things are starting to get better, but then they try to apply for it and they say, oh, funds are up. So sorry. Bye. It's because, you know, a lot of people stayed on it longer than they needed to. And that was a problem, too. There needs to be at least some safeguards, at least so all of this money doesn't go up in a, in an instant, like a blink of the eye. And next thing you know, it's February and they're talking about doing it again. And then who knows what happens? Uh, I, I think some of the more radical people on the left that are in Joe Biden's ear, I think they're going to try really hard to try to push things like forgiving student loans and then universal basic income, things like that. Just more endless spending pits. I think that's going to be the next thing. I hope that's not the end game, but I hope things can get better. We'll take some of your calls coming up, too, on Overnight America KMOX. 
This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. It's hard to believe how close we are to Christmas. The 14th, soon to be the 15th, and then a week from Friday is Christmas. One week from Friday. I have the rest of my vacation time to use. I didn't really use any of it at the start of the year. And it kind of pays off to wait till the end of the year because you have Christmas being a holiday and New Year being a holiday. So those are like free days off. Free, F-R-E-E, not three, but free. And then you kind of combine those with the rest of your vacation so you don't have to use all of them in a row. And you still get kind of like this extended time off. So I'm looking forward to spending at least this rest of your week. And today we had a couple of moments to reminisce about the holiday radio program. It's one that has been going around since the 90s. And I always liked being a part of it. I liked that Kevin Clean included me. And he did some really nice things. You know, he'd, he'd write me in really good parts. I'd get some funny lines. It's always cool when a live studio audience laughs at something you said. When in reality, you know, it's not because of anything you did. It's because of how good Kevin Colleen's screenwriting abilities are. And it was too bad that this year, because of COVID, we didn't really get a chance to do this in person. That's a shame, right? I I think most of uh, the staff likes doing this, or at least afterwards, they say they like it. We might, you know, complain a little going into it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, there's a lot of complaining. Not for me, at least. I always enjoyed it. And I'm glad that KMOX kind of keeps this tradition of live radio in the sense of live radio dramas and productions alive. It's a rarity. You just don't see that anymore. There's some radio stations that have done live performances online of A Christmas Carol, like there's one coming up in Detroit. There's a radio station doing that. Some did the War of the Worlds and things virtually through the use of video. But there's just it's not the same, you know. So this year, instead of getting in person because we really couldn't get in front of an audience, we decided to do a memories uh, and part of the memories was Chris Myhill, who's produced the show for many years. He's also Charlie Brennan's producer, got together with Charlie, Bre- uh, excuse me, got together with Kevin Klein to kind of give some of their memories. And then they invited us to come on and give our memories, too, which was really nice. So as they were leading off, they were kind of given the origins of the holiday radio show. And you can go find this video on the KMOX Facebook page if you wanted to go watch it. I had forgotten that until um, today that your first play that you wrote in 96 was my first play that I produced at the Westport Playoffs. So we were both newbies going into this. So we really didn't know what we were doing. And the irony is, decades later, we still don't. That's true. And, you know, the franchise began as sort of a look back at the classic days of radio where you would have a live broadcast with a script or a comedy, a story. And we brought in all these uh, fantastical elements of attempts at humor, of uh, comedy with uh, songs. Here's some of the old pictures. This is uh, Jim White with Nan Wyatt to his right. And you see uh, just the whole staff, which has changed through the years. Bob Hamilton was there. This was the one day of the year that the whole staff would come together that's me at rehearsal in a rare moment (laughs) of satisfaction usually we'll hear more about that the behind the scenes stuff tonight the cold pizza the things that went wrong we're going to hear about all of it here's another rehearsal at the sheldon where you see uh, people taking the stage and we would often uh, rehearse it in 
stitch it together and, and out of order. Do you remember the chaos of the rehearsals? The, re- the, re- the rehearsals were absolutely terrible. I mean, we would walk out of the rehearsals thinking like, this is going to be a complete failure. And it was often just a partial failure. So. No, it succeeded. <laughs> I know. I don't want to ruin this, but it's not like we practice this a lot. This is how the holiday radio shows have gone, at least from my experience. You would get a script. You might get a week to look it over. And then there was a day where we performed it. So basically during that week, you just got a highlighter and you highlighted your parts on it. And we'd get together and out of order, we'd do different scenes and we would just run through it. And we would try to read it. And Kevin would say, uh, you got to be more excited here. Now, keep in mind, your character just came in and they just had this giant revelation. So they're over the top and they want to tell everyone. So he would kind of direct you that way. And we would go through it one time. And as we were doing that, we were trying to take notes on the way we should try to perform the lines. And that one time would be maybe a couple of hours before the actual performance. And then when we did it, it was always only our second time going through it. Most of it, not even a real full through. It was just in chunks. And for some reason, it all came through. I think it was because we're all professionals. I don't know how we do it. Professionals perform. You get on stage. You have the ability to do it. We can read scripts. We just, when the pressure's on, we're able to do it. And it also helps to have such a great live audience around us. That's why I think in a lot of ways, having an empty place, an empty uh, chairs staring at us would definitely take away the magic from it. I'm hoping that next year we're back into things again. One more hour coming up of Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.